So there's worry about the virus. There is worry about finances. There is worry about jobs. There is worry about relationships. There is worry about marriage. Worry about kids. Worry about health. Worry about school. Worry about social distancing. Worry about mask wearing. Worry about hand sanitizing. Worry just just worry, 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 worry. Normally, we would have one worry, but now we have many worries. And it seems like it's creeping. It, it affects Christians and non-Christians. It affects Adventists and Baptists and Charismatic. It, affect, it, it affects Jehovah's Witnesses and it affects Catholics. I mean, the people, the homeless people are worried and the people with homes are worried. The uneducated are worried and the educated are worried. Children are worried and parents are worried and teachers are worried. Animals are probably worrying. Pets are probably wondering what is going to happen. How am I going to eat? But every time I speak about worry, some, someone after the message always asks me, or say, well, they say something like this. Well, I'm not really worried, but I'm extremely concerned. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not worried. I'm just extremely, I'm ex- extremely concerned. So let me help you understand the difference. Worry is continually wondering what might go wrong. It's thoughts that usually start with these two words. What if? What if I get sick? What if I lose my job? What if he doesn't respond to my text? What if they say no? What if I offend them? What if I mess up? What if she leaves me? It all worry always starts with that what if. Worry is self-torment with what-if questions that leads to you being overwhelmed. Concern, however, is assessing a situation with the intent to respond. One is assessment, one is questioning. Worry says, I feel tired. What if I have covid Concern says, if I still feel tired tomorrow, I'll call the doctor. No sense assuming the worst. You you understand? So the person who is worried feels tired. The first thing that comes to their mind, what if I have COVID? Right now, if a person, the, the person who worries, if they have a little flu right now, the first thought that come into their mind, I wonder if a COVID The person who is worried at the workplace, when the boss call them to a meeting, I wonder if me will get fired. <laughs> Worry leads to panic. Concern leads to problem solving. Worry leads to anxiety. Concern leads to action. Worry 
leads to stress. Concern leads to solution. If the thought is playing over and over in your head, it's worry. Concern is circumstance-driven, and worry is insecurity-driven. Worry means that there is some level of insecurity. A lot of time what we call stress is really worry. It's not the circumstances that's, that's the problem, but our response to the circumstances. There's somebody who's going through what you're going through, and they're not responding the way you are responding. Charles Swindoll, we say this often, life is 10 and 90% how you respond to it. 10% what happens to you, and 90% how you respond to it. Somebody has got fired and they are rejoicing and you are in depression. Right? JPS cut off the power and destroyed somebody's TV and they're still rejoicing. But you are mad and worried and depressed and stressed. You see, worry is a major source of stress in our life. The worrisome person is a stressful person or a stressed out person. But there are three problems with worry. First, worry is unhelpful because it never accomplishes anything for us. Let me say that again. Worry is unhelpful because it never accomplishes anything for us. Worry does not solve the problem. No one has ever solved a problem by worrying. It cannot change the past. It cannot change the future. It can only make us miserable right now. Secondly, worry is unreasonable because it magnifies the problem we are facing. Worry only makes the small thing look big. It's a light affliction. That's what the Bible says. The things that we are going through, they are temporary. They are light affliction in comparison to the great things that God has in store for us. Listen, I've seen people gotten stressed out over one gray hair. Stressed out. Where they end up making bad decisions. Cut off all the year and then cry. So why did I do that over one gray hair popping up? It's unreasonable because it makes mountains out of mole hills. Worry makes your problems seem bigger than they really are. You see, to worry about something you cannot change is useless. To worry about something you can change is stupid. Why? Just go ahead and change it. If you can't change it, don't worry about it. But if you can't change it, 
Don't worry, just change it. Why worry when you can change it? In fact, I've seen people be happy, don't worry, and they are worried. They have on the shirt and they are still worried. Third, so it's unhelpful, unreasonable. Worry is also unhealthy. Because our bodies are not made for worry. Worry can cause ulcers, backaches, headaches. Can cause you to be sleepless. It's also unnatural. I know that because if it were natural, then plants and animals would worry. Have you ever seen a worried breadfruit tree? Listen, have you ever seen a worried lion? The only thing in creation that worries is people. In fact, the English, the old English word for worry means to strangle or to choke. Right? So when you're worrying, you're really choking yourself. You're strangling yourself. That's what it really means. Like, Self-torment, suicide. When you're worrying, you're squeezing or you're cutting off all the flow of oxygen in your life. Worry is not natural and it is unhealthy. Let's look at the person beside you and say, as of today, I declare that you shall stop worrying. Look at them and say, because I know you're not stupid. And only stupid people worry. No, just say to them, let, let me just find out. Are you stupid? I hear a few yeses, so. <laughs> what is God's antidote for worry? Let me give it them quickly, right? God's antidote for worry is to believe that he will take care of us. It, listen, if you believe that God will take care of you, you, don't, you stop worrying. If you believe that God is able to take care of everything concerning your life, you will stop worrying. Anytime you worry, it's an era where you're not trusting God. That, that is why Psalm 23 verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. And therefore, the psalmist didn't worry because the Lord is his shepherd. If we really believe that God is going to take care of us, we will not worry. I'm going to trust God for all my needs. So David called God his shepherd. What do shepherds do? As our shepherd, God has promised to do four things in our lives if we trust him. What, 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 what will God do? What do shepherds do? A shepherd, he provides food and shelter. The basic necessity for a sheep. So a shepherd out in the field provides for the sheep. God being your shepherd means he provides for you. He provides for food and shelter, the basic necessities of life. 
you should never ever need to worry about food and shelter if God is your shepherd. Listen. God watered the whole earth and he never used no hoses. You understand me? You know, say God feed the prophet and he used a bird and do it. He sent him to a specific brook to get something to drink. He turned water into wine. It means that God is well able to provide all our needs. As shepherd, he also protects against the enemy's attack. Why? Because sheep have, don't have sharp teeth or claws. Sheep don't have any protective coating. So a sheep can't protect themselves. Therefore, they need a protector. We have a protector in God. He protects us. It's like Whitney Houston to her bodyguard. She says, I have nothing, nothing, nothing if I don't have you. Amen. It's right there. He is your bodyguard. And if you have him, you're protected. You're a sheep. You can't fight. You don't have claws. You don't have anything protective except the angels of the Lord encamped run about them that fears him. Like mountains run about Jerusalem. So the Lord surrounds us. A shepherd, he guides his sheep when they are confused and don't know which way to go. I don't get worried about where my life is headed. Because God is leading me. He's directing my path. You know, there's an old song they do call, I know where I'm going. That's not just to get to heaven, but I know where my life is headed. Because I'm being led by the Spirit of God. That's what a shepherd does. As a shepherd, he corrects any problem that comes along. You see, God has promised to do these four things in our life. If we will trust him, if we will let him be our shepherd. He says, I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will guide you. I will correct you. I will gather you to my side. If you let me be your shepherd. That's what Isaiah 40, 11 says. Uh, uh, if you have your Bibles, you need to take this out. You need to just underline, highlight, write this down so you can read it and speak it over your life. This is what Isaiah 40 verse 11 says. It says he will feed his flock like a shepherd. God is saying, I will feed you. See there, feed. Look at these four things that God says he will do. I will feed, he will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead those who are with young. So he will lead, he will carry, he will gather, and he will feed. That's what a shepherd does. Philippians 4.19 says, And my God will. You need to underline that. And every time you feel like you're going to get worried, you go to Philippians 4.19. And you remember that my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. The verse doesn't say might. Doesn't say I'll think about it. It says he will. It means that 
His character is on the line. He's either going to supply my needs or he is a liar. And God is not man that he should lie. Listen. Get the English right. It's not that God will not lie. God cannot lie. Will not is different from cannot. For God is not a matter of the will. It's a matter of character. If God says it, it's automatically truth. If it were a lie in human terms, if God says it, it turns to truth. Because he cannot. It's not a matter of will. It's a matter of his character. His very nature. Because anything he says becomes truth. If God has promised to provide all your needs. God says I will, I will meet all your needs. What does that include? Doctor payments. Mortgage payments. Spiritual needs. Financial needs. Relational needs. If God has promised to provide all your needs. To guide you when you are confused. To protect you from harm. And to correct the problems in your life. What's left to worry about? Nothing. Nothing. If God says I will supply all your needs. What is there to worry about? Nothing. There are over 7,000 promises in the Bible. That God has declared over your life and my life. You and I can't name 7,000 things we need. If I give you a piece of paper right now, you can't find 7,000 things. And God has over 7,000 promises. I dare you. I give you until next week Sunday. Make a list of the 7,000 things you need. We really, we really think we need a lot. But when you think about the promises of God, you really realize that. It's not really a lot of things, you know. Worry is not only unhelpful, unreasonable, unhealthy, but it's unnecessary if Jesus is your shepherd. You see, anytime you worry, you're acting like an atheist. Because a Christian looks like an atheist when they behave like God isn't going to keep his promises. God is going to keep his promises. In essence, you're really saying when you worry, God is not going to take care of my needs. I don't think he can. I don't think he's big enough. In fact, I'm not sure he's even there. So the antidote for worry is to make God your shepherd. So the question then is, how do I make God my shepherd? You see, God is not the shepherd for everybody. He's only the shepherd of those who let him be the shepherd. All of us can know Psalm 23. But he's not the shepherd of everybody. If you don't allow him to be the shepherd, he's not your shepherd. Here is what we all need to do. Jesus becomes our shepherd when we accept him as our Lord. If he's not your Lord, he's not your shepherd. You're probably not even a sheep. 
you're probably a lion in sheep clothes. Says, the Lord is my shepherd. Is my shepherd. The Lord can't be your shepherd until the shepherd is your, shepherd is your Lord. Let me say that again, right? The Lord can't be my shepherd until the shepherd is my Lord. The two go together. The Lord does not become our shepherd automatically. We have to ask him to be our shepherd. That's how it works. There are people who believe as long as they pick up the Bible and read it, it works for them. It doesn't work like that. There are some conditional promises in the scripture. So for you to get to, I shall not want, you have to start with it. The Lord is my shepherd. You don't get, listen, if, if you can't pass the first part of Psalm 23 verse 1, the rest of it is irrelevant. The promises after the first line are conditioned on you making him the shepherd of your life. You have to ask him to be your Lord. What does it mean to be Lord? It means to be in control. You have to ask him to be in control of your life. Lord simply means to be in charge. Jesus is Lord of your life when you put him in control. If he's not calling the shots, he's not Lord. If he's not Lord, he's not shepherd. Because the Lord is my shepherd. I want you to understand that Lord come before shepherd. He didn't say the shepherd is my Lord. He says the Lord is my shepherd. In other words, he must be my Lord first before he can become my shepherd next. And if he's not Lord of all, he's not Lord at all. The Lord is my shepherd. To accept Jesus as Lord means three things. Three things. Very simple. John 10 verse 27. It says, my sheep hear my voice. So first, you have to hear. I know them. That's speaking about intimate relationship. And they follow me. And you have to follow. Hear, know, and follow. You hear his voice. You have a relationship with him. And you follow him. Let me say it again. Sheep, hear his voice. You respond to that. If you hear my voice, do not what? Harden your heart. You hear his voice. That leads to a relationship with him. You're in a relationship with him. You follow him. In other words, when you make him Lord, you put him in control. Is he in control? Because here's why this is important for you to understand. Because all worry is a control issue. If you can control it, you don't worry about it. You see, if you control the company, if a staff call you, you don't worry about losing the job. Because you're in control. You see, if you control all the, 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 the um, National Reserves at the BOJ, <laughs> you don't worry about your mortgage. No, sir. You don't worry about new shoes and new clothes. 
All worry is a control issue. And so, if you have the wrong person in control, you're going to have worries in your life. Who is really in control? Is the question then. Worry is nothing more than trying to control what you can't, you can't control. And trying to control the uncontrollable. That's what worry is. It's trying to control something that you cannot control. It's really trying to control what we call the uncontrollable. That's what it is. There are some things in life you can't do anything about. Amen? If God don't change him, it's like there's, there, there are people in life, you have to understand that you can't control people. As much as we think we can, at some time, people going to rebel. They're going to do what they want to do. You can't control that. Listen, you could grow up your kids in, in a box and lock that box and throw the key and let it out when they're 23. <laughs> they still go and have their own way. Because we are born in sin. But we like having things under control. But we must remember that God is still in control. You see, worry is a warning light that you have not put God in control. Whenever you begin to see worry creeping into your life, realize that in that situation, I have not put God in control. So who is in control of your life? God gives you the option. He doesn't force himself on anyone. So you have two options. Either you can be in control of your life, or you can let God be in control of your life. If I ask you this morning if God is in control, I guarantee you that everyone would put their hand up and say, yes, God is in control. But if you were coming in and we ask you, do you have anything you're worried about that you want us to pray for? You tell me something. But then you'd come inside and say, God is in control. Though outside you see a word about something that you need prayer for. So we oftentimes contradict ourselves. You see, God doesn't co-pilot. If you're in control, if, he, if you're in control of your life, you're playing God. Let me say that again. God is that your co-pilot. He's either flying the plane or he ain't going with you. Let me say that again. He, he's not in business class. He's not taking instructions from you. He's either flying the plane or he ain't going in it. No, the plane can still move on its own. Or you can move it. But he ain't sitting beside you co-piloting. He's either in control or he's not. He must be calling the shots. So every time you are in control, it means that you are the pilot of your life. It means that you are no God. Every time you try to take control, complete control of your life, 
you are going to worry. Because worry is a control issue. If you are running your own life without having God in control, you ought to worry. Because there are things in your life that you will never control. But if God is running your life, and he is the Lord of your life, you should not worry. The Lord is your shepherd. So what should you do? You may be saying, well, Pastor, you know what? This morning, I hear you. The Lord is my shepherd. But what do I do now? Because I... I I have things that are bothering me. I don't want to use the words because some people are not going to use the word worry now. You know. They're going to say, I have things that are bothering me. <laughs> you know, it is. We, just, we, just, we just change the word. You know. We just mean the same thing. Just, just change the word. You know. We just get into our Oxford dictionary and just change the word. Ah, oh boy, because you know, this, this message was very convicting. Can't use worry anymore. Can't use worry. Bother, 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 bother. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Jesus. What? So what do we do? Let me give you some stuff to do, right? The Lord is your shepherd. Here's what you need to do. Begin praying about everything. Pray about everything. In fact, I'll tell you this. Pray about the simple things. Because if you pray about the simple things in life, it becomes easier for you to pray about the big things in life. But if you're one of those persons who love to pray for big things alone, that's probably the only time you pray when you have big things. Pray about everything. What do I mean everything? Pray. That's why you need to say grace, you know. It's developing the habit of prayer. That is why when you wake up in the morning, you say a little prayer and thank God for life. It's praying about every little thing. You understand me? If you're going home to iron your clothes, you pray. Say, Lord, help me. Give me strength, Lord. You don't have to be long. Because length in prayer is not strength in prayer. People believe that the longer they pray, the stronger the prayer is. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Rise up and walk. Prayer done. I'd love to see Jesus at one of our prayer meetings. <laughs> What should you start praying about? Start praying about the things you have been worrying about. If we pray about the things we worry about, we would have a lot less time to worry. All I want you to do is to begin to replace your worry time with prayer time. Worry doesn't change your things. But prayer does. Prayer changes things. You have seen it. And I have seen it. We have read it in God's word. We have experienced it in our own lives. Prior changes things. You see, worry is really skewing without doing. Prior, however, puts you in contact with the one who can change the things you can't. So let's begin to pray. Whenever a problem arises, we have two options. We can panic or we can pray. And I'm imploring you to choose prayer. Don't panic. Pray. Philippians 4 verse
verse 6 in the, in the message Bible says this. And I'd love for it to, to come up so we can read it together. Because I think sometimes we need to see some of these things that they're actually in God's word. It says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. I mean, it's clear. This is God's instruction. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers. Letting God know your concerns. First Peter 5 verse 7 says, Cast all your cares upon him because he about you. He cares about you. Cast means to unload. So unload all your cares on him. Let them go on him. In, in the Greek or the original Greek word, it literally means to drop it. So it means drop your cares on the Lord. Why? We place all our cares and our worries on him. Because he cares about us. It doesn't mean that our worries go away. What this means is that we give them to Jesus. And he takes care of them. Matthew 6, uh, 31 to 33. So don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? Listen. Like the worst thing in life you can worry about is food. If, like, if you're worrying about food, you're gone mad. You should never worry about food. Because you can go at least 40 days without food. Minimum. Can I get an amen? Some of you can. In fact, some of you need to go 40 days without food right now. I'm telling you, so let me just help you. <laughs> but it's, it's true. Like the worst worry you can have is to worry about food. Listen, before God made you, he made food. You remember how creation started? Creation started with God making everything. All the food Adam and Eve would have needed to eat was already in the garden before they got there. When they were placed in the garden, breakfast, lunch, and dinner was already provided. So the one thing you ought not to worry about is food. Here's the second thing. You're not supposed to worry about what you will drink. Where is he really in Jamaica? I mean, what are they here can't done? I'll tell you this. Listen. You can live and drink water. If you have some good food, you can just drink. In fact, some of us need to do drink a lot of water. Do you realize that more people are drinking water now? Don't worry about what you should drink. So on the list of things to worry about, like these, like these are the three worst worries you can have. The next thing is what you shall wear. Why you don't worry about it? Because you came here naked. And when you leave in here, naked. 
So between you coming and you leaving, you don't need more than one pants. Let me, let, me, let, me, let, me, let me put it in context. Why do you need 10 pairs of shoes? Really think about it. Why do you need 10 pairs of shoes? Ring, no, no. When you go home, sit down and ask yourself, why do I need 10 pairs of shoes? Like, like, what? What would, what would be the problem if I only had one? If I had one comfortable shoe that I can wear to church and wear to work because that's the only place I really go and I wear it to the supermarket and when it finishes, I get the next one. What would be the problem? Do you know why some of us need so many pairs of shoes? Because we want people to look and say, under the same shoe we are wearing every day. That, that's really it. Let me ask you. Let me just give you. I'm going to give you an experience. So get two. So let me ask you. <laughs> let me ask you. Why, why? Why? Let me ask the men. Now I'm asking because I'm asking myself these questions. Why you need? Why do you need more than two jeans? A black one and a blue one. You really don't wear the white one. And if somebody's inviting you to the party and it's all white, listen, I don't go to all white parties because of a black jeans and a blue jeans. <laughs> but here's the sad thing. We don't need it. And then we begin to worry. About things that we don't really need. And that's the problem it creates. Because the culture tells us we need a lot of everything. But my grandmother always said, no, too much of one thing. <laughs> verse, verse 32 says, these things dominate. Listen, listen what it says. It says these things. When you worry about food. Drink and what you wear. He says, it dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. You see, you see worry is like fog. Have you ever gone anywhere and the fog look like, boy, like you don't want to drive? And when you drive go up there, you realize there was nothing. The place is clear. Like, I, I love fog, right? Because you, you stay here and look at fog down there and say, whoa! But when you're in it, like, you can't see it. That's what worry is. It looks like this is a big thing. But when you really get close, you realize it's really nothing. When you put your faith in God, he still works miracle. There's a second thing you need to do if you want to deal with worry. You need to consider one day at a time. Amen? One day at a time. Verse 34 of Matthew 6 says, Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. 
I think some of you need to put this up on your bathroom mirror. So when you go in your bathroom, you will see a big thing on the window that says, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So God will take care of tomorrow. Just trust him for today. Don't let me tell you, tell you how it is, right? Worrying about tomorrow is like taking out your umbrella and walking with it and say, boy, it's going to rain. That's not what we do. What we do? We wait until it starts raining. Then we take out the umbrella. Right? That's how it works. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. When you worry, you don't change yesterday. You can't control tomorrow. And you mess up today with worrying. So, so three days are being affected by one day's worry. Today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. Worry can't change yesterday. It can't control tomorrow, but it will ruin today. The future can seem overwhelming. Therefore, trust God in small bites. Live for him today. Notice how Jesus prayed in Matthew 6 verse 11. He says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. You know what some of us praying about? For next week bread. And next year bread. Some of us praying for bread five years from now. Jesus said, listen, when you're praying, let me teach you how to pray. All you need is bread for today because how you, you're praying for bread for the next five years, you know you're going to be around tomorrow. Wait until tomorrow. Come and ask some more bread that day because you have to make sure that you're alive first before you ask. Overcoming worry is a day-by-day choice. There's no pill you can take to stop worrying. There's no seminar, no book or tape that will make you stop worrying. God's antidote for worry is to put him in control of your life. What has got you worried? What is causing you to ask those what-if questions? I don't know what you're going through right now, but God does. Matthew 6, 22 to 23. But your heavenly father already knows perfectly well what you need. And he will give them to you if you give him first place in your life. And live as he wants you to do. You see in Psalm 23, 17 times in 6 verses. The word I, me, or my are used. The word you, your, he, or his. Taking God. Talking about God is used 10 times. This psalm is about relationship with God. That's the answer to your stress. Not relation, not religion, but relationship. You need a relationship. You need a shepherd. Someone who provides. Someone who guides. Someone who protects. Someone who corrects. God says, that what I made, that's what I made for you. I didn't make you for religion. I made you to know me. He knows all about you. And he wants you to know him. That's why he sent Jesus Christ. You see, I don't know what you're worried about, anxious about, or stressed out about today. But I know this, that God loves you. He cares about your stress. And he can help you. 
The Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. There's only one we Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Not might be. He is my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I can say that with certainty. Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? Is the Lord your shepherd? He can't be one without the other. When you can say that and mean that, you're going to stop worrying. The day you can confidently say, the Lord is my shepherd. Worrying stuff. There's a song, very old song, it says, one day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Listen, if you have had things to worry about, or maybe you came in here this morning, and you are, there are genuine stuff you believe that you are worried about. You can call it concern or bother. And maybe by the conviction of the spirit, your heart has already changed. But I still want you to pray with me this morning. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. If you say, you know what, man, I have a propensity to worry. And, but, but I'm ready to make him Lord and shepherd of my life. I want you to stand with me. And I want you to lift your right hand above your head this morning. And I want you to repeat this very a simple prayer with me say just say Jesus I don't understand it all but I've seen that you have promised to take care of my needs if I will trust you and I realize that worry is just a warning light that I'm trying to control things I cannot control I don't want to do that anymore Come on, with your hands lifted, said, I want you to be in control of my life. I want you to be my Lord. I want to know you. I want to listen to you. And I want to follow you. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, with your hands lifted. Just say, Lord, today, I will not panic. I will pray. Lord, today, I stop worrying. And I start praying. Come on with your hands lifted. So Lord, one day at a time. Just so Lord, I will cast all my cares on you. Because you care for me. Come on, just lift your hands and just begin to worship him right now. Just in your own way, just worship him. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Just give me the strength to do everything what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. 
Come on, just sing that one more time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking of you. Just give me the strength to do everything what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today, show me the way, one day at a time. Hallelujah. So, Heavenly Father, that's our desire to live one day at a time. Yes. I pray that your sovereign peace will be upon us. God, we declare that you are still in control. And you have the whole world in your hand. May your shalom rest upon every person in this room. Your peace, nothing missing and nothing lacking. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Have a great rest of the day. Remember to pray. Sweet Jesus. Amen. And tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way one day at a time.